Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are here to give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Monday mornings at 1 a.m., streaming live at those times at... What other place would you find them? RichardDugan.com. You can also find the podcasts of these programs uh, at uh, both RichardDugan.com as well as uh, SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM. And the list kind of, kind of, kind of goes on. And we are so grateful that you've joined us. We hope that you go to the podcast and then click on our, our guest's name so that you can uh, continue your evolutionary process. And uh, I'm a little out of breath here, and uh, I'll explain that in just a moment. But uh, we also encourage you to uh, support us if you can financially. We have PayPal and Patreon accounts as well so that you can support us. If you like the work that we're doing, you like the work that our guests are doing, please go to their websites. And we also have PayPal and Patreon accounts so that uh, for your security as, mo- as well as mine, you can support the work we are doing, become a part of uh, this effort, especially during 2020, the year of perfect vision, where we are trying to get you to go within, to spend some time with yourself. You know, sometimes that can be a scary thing, but uh, yes, that was me removing my mask at this time. I don't need it for this interview because our guest is on Zoom and it's great to have her back. I'm out of breath because of our guest because she made me run around the block six times before I get, so I get my cardio up and all that good stuff. I want to thank uh, Amy Novotny for joining us again from, uh, I believe it is uh, PARB, something like, no. no Pabber no. Institute. Pabber, Pabber. I got the right letters, just got them in the wrong order. Pabber, <laughs> uh, which is pain... Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, is it um, either awareness? Yes, awareness. And then the breathing part, which I'm doing yes. a lot of right now. Yes. And then relief. Oh. Absolutely I feel correct. so much better now. I have <laughs> always learned that. Uh, I, I remember learning years ago, it's probably, maybe is in biology in grade school, could have been in high school. That you need to learn to breathe. Now, that sounds strange because it's an involuntary process most of the time. But you need to learn to breathe properly, especially so that your your blood, your, your, your body gets oxygen. It can, and not just oxygen, but it gets oxygenated. Mm-hmm. And you need correct. that, right? That's- Yes. And first, thank you for having me on again. I'm really, really honored to be on again and to talk about this issue of breathing that we all need to discuss right now, especially considering our current circumstances with the pandemic. But the thing with breathing is I I equate it to walking. Mm -hmm. So when we walk as a toddler, we walk a certain way. A lot of times when you see toddlers growing first, they're kind of fumbling around, then all of a sudden they gain this skill in walking and it just seems to flow for them. It's so easy. But as we get older, our walking pattern changes. The stresses of life change the way we walk. Same thing with breathing. We come out of the womb, we're coughing, you know, spitting up, all those things. Our breathing starts to normalize. It's easy. It's easy flowing just when we're a toddler. And then it starts to shift as we get older because of the stresses of our life change our body And what we think is perfect posture actually affects the way we breathe and makes it detrimental on our breathing. But there are also, the other thing is 
we walk a different way depending on the circumstances. Sometimes we need to fast walk. Sometimes we slow walk. Sometimes we walk differently if we're walking on sand or if we're on a hard surface. Same thing with our breathing. We breathe in different ways depending on the circumstances. Mm. If I'm sprinting, I need my breathing to be in a fight or flight mode breathing because I'm sprinting and I need to change it. The problem is because we spend so much time in fight or flight mode throughout our daily life, just with regular daily activities, interactions, driving, um, you know, stresses of work, finances, family, relationships, parents, kids, all those things, we stay in fight or flight mode. And so our breathing stays in fight or flight mode, which is not one of relaxation and calm. We have a different breathing pattern that comes to the surface when we're in relaxation and calm. And the problem is we have forgotten how to do that. We start to lose that when we go from like a childhood, if your childhood wasn't full of trauma, but we start to lose it as we start to get into our teenage years, when stressors start to come into play, when we get into high school, even worse. And then, you know, you're trying to figure out your whole life and your career and all that. And so the thing also is the way you position your body will either determine if you're fight or flight mode or in relaxation mode. And that also is another factor in how you breathe. So breathing is more than just getting oxygen throughout our body. The way we breathe affects our ability to fight off bacteria and viruses. Mm. It carbon dioxide is, was once touted as this horrible thing, but it's actually, there's a book out there right now called breathe um, by Nestler who talks about the importance of carbon dioxide. And he's done a lot of research or he, he interviewed a lot of researchers who tout the importance of carbon dioxide. So it's not just oxygen. There's so many other impacts. I mean, it it's so related to our nervous system and our fight or flight mode as well, which impacts our pain level, impacts our sleep, ability to sleep, our ability to digest, ability to calm stress, anxiety, fears, all those things. So breathing is important. Well, I mean, obviously just for sheer existence, <laughs> breathing is important. Yes. yes. But before we come out of the womb, we are, if I'm not mistaken, you know, we're breathing liquid. Right. It's right. a, that's the reason why when we come out of the womb and they, you know, the, the, as you mentioned, you know, all these fluids mm -hmm. are coming out of our mouth and nose mm -hmm. and so forth as an infant. So I have, I have heard and seen certain programs and, and, and so forth where people are actually able to live. And I don't even know if it's actually water, but some fluid where they're not, there's no apparatus of any kind. They're, they've actually been able to return, so to speak, to the womb. Are you familiar with any of this? That is beyond my okay. pay grade. Obviously, we did, that, it, yeah. we did it when we were infants. And right. there are those who say we could, we could actually return to that state. Of course, you've got to have the right, it's got to be the right fluid and so forth. Now, the yeah. other aspect of, of uh, breathing, as you mentioned, oxygen and carbon dioxide. Now... My understanding of, of basic uh, flora uh, is that um, we need oxygen, predominantly oxygen, uh, in our systems to, to stay alive, to live. Yes. The flora of the planet need carbon dioxide, and then they convert it 
into oxygen. Mm-hmm. And this is going to sound weird to a lot of people, I think. Uh, but, you know, stu- you know, when, when we ingest the various foods that we ingest, there's mm-hmm. always going to be excretion. Well, mm-hmm. guess what, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Oxygen is the, uh, if I'm understanding correctly, is actually the waste product of the flora on this planet. A- am yeah. I am I fair in, is that fair in my assessment? assessment? Yeah, yeah, it is. And that's one thing, it's really great to have plants in your room, in your house, all that, because it does take up some carbon dioxide and release oxygen. And it just, it helps with cleaning the air as well which Mm -hmm. is something vital. And one of the main problems when we talk about the climate changing and carbon dioxide in the atmosphere is there's so much soil destruction Mm -hmm. in the world that we lose all those microbes and little tiny organisms that are able to take up carbon dioxide and convert it to oxygen. And so that's actually thought to be one of the main sources of the changing of the atmosphere and the climate around the world. In addition, I just did a presentation on how sea ice is is changing that as as well, the lack of sea ice on the poles, but that's a whole nother topic. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I know that, uh, you know, we're, we're all trying to find answers to mm-hmm. the question, uh, the question of, of life and all this kind of stuff. And, Obviously, in this day and age uh, that we are living now, you know, science is, is working feverishly, no pun intended, uh, to um, come up with a, a vaccine or a cure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the longer that this goes on, uh, the longer that I feel that and, and I find it interesting as our conversation here that this particular virus called the coronavirus mm-hmm. um, attacks the respiratory the breathing apparatus of uh, of the human being yeah and as opposed to and this is why it was so strange of course early on back in march when people went berserk and went and cleaned out the toilet paper out of almost every darn uh uh grocery facility on the planet Mm -hmm. and it's like excuse me how is that going to help your respiratory system? <laughs> this is <laughs> this is not a digestive or gastrointestinal problem here. This is respiratory. Yeah. Um, when we get the flu, we get any other virus. Usually, there there are some things we can do. There is a mm-hmm. vaccine for some of them. Okay, uh, sometimes it's the year before, but you know that's better. Mm-hmm. I supposedly better than nothing. But in terms of this concept of breathing. Yes. Um, how can learning how to breathe correctly facilitate our immune system and subsequently facilitate our ability to resist, if not have to fight off this particular mm-hmm. virus, which, as they say now, we don't have a vaccine for? Right. So a couple things go into that. So we have a nervous system built into us. It's called your autonomic nervous system that runs in the background. It controls your organs, your heart rate. It controls a lot of things about you. But there are, there are three components of that nervous system. One is your enteric and that has to deal with your gut. We're not going to cover that so much. The other is your sympathetic nervous system and parasympathetic nervous system. Your sympathetic nervous system is that fight or flight mode. Your parasympathetic is relax, 
digestion, repose, that type of thing. Now, when you kick in that fight or flight sympathetic nervous system, it impacts your immune system. So your cortisol levels increase, which initially can help inflammation, but it can be a detriment to your immune system overall, especially if you're in fight or flight mode all the time. So if you're breathing in a fight or flight mode, you're encouraging your nervous system to stay hyped up, which is a detriment to your immune system. So your immune system is going to get taxed. And one of the problems with this coronavirus is we're seeing that people whose immune system is already on overdrive is already compromised because it's, they're fighting off so many other conditions, Mm -hmm. stress being one of them. People are fighting off stress, which leads to a whole slew of diseases or is a, is a cofactor in many diseases that then when this virus comes and it attacks the ACE2 cells and creates this, they call it a cytokine storm where there's this huge immune response and inflammatory response, your body can't handle it. And so one of the push on many physicians, many naturopaths out there is, okay, let's focus on what you can control. Let's focus on decreasing your stress, decreasing your state of fight or flight mode. And I work with clients all the time on this, people who come into me with pain or stress or anxiety, and they say, well, I don't feel like I'm in fight or flight mode. And then we go through the steps of changing their breathing and changing it from that fight or flight mode and how they position their body into relaxation. And then they start to become aware and they realize, oh my gosh, I have been in fight or flight mode for probably decades, for years. And so when that happens and they start shifting their breathing and their body position at the same time, they always say to me, oh my gosh, I feel like I can breathe again. I can feel like there's opening, that it's not a struggle just to get air in. I'm not using all these muscles in my trunk and my shoulders and my neck and my back just to breathe. The other component of it is we are notorious for breathing in and out of our mouths. I mean, Mm. it is, it is awful. And there are studies out there that show how bad mouth breathing is and how quickly it's a detriment to your mouth. I mean, within hours and days, if we can shift to breathing in through our nose, not only do we filter the air, warm the air, cleanse the air, but we also stimulate nitric oxide production, which is a vasodilator. So it helps open our blood vessels but it also helps to serve as an antiviral or antibacterial properties to protect your body. Now, I don't know if that includes coronavirus, but it's a, it's a protection so that you are filtering out a lot of bacteria and viruses. So you're, it's another layer of protection so that your immune system innate in you is not having to take the burden of fighting off all these viruses and bacteria and fungus that you have the nose hairs from breathing in through your nose, that's one filter. The nitric oxide is another filter. And then if something does get through, then you have your innate immune system, which if we can change your breathing into something in a more relaxed manner, where you're not kicking in, stimulating that nervous system in your back, then you have greater chances of your immune system being able to fight off stuff because it's not fighting off just your daily life stresses and how you position yourself. Is inflammation a major cause of most of the problems that we deal with 
and that that really is one of the main things that we need to be focused on is reducing inflammation. And it sounds to me from your description that breathing correctly can actually facilitate uh, the reduction of inflammation. It's just one way. mm -hmm. It's one way. It's one factor to help. So yes, inflammation is something that our body, our body doesn't like, and it contributes to a lot of diseases out of there, out of, out in the world. And so the problem is that we often set ourselves up to have inflammation in our body. And there's many ways it comes to diet. It comes to what we, toxins that we expose ourselves to. It comes to the lack of exercise or movement, but it also it comes from being in a stress mode and changing your body position and your breathing to be one in stress mode that can increase inflammation in your body. Certain diet things I know are huge and every person's genetics are different. So something that might inflame me may not inflame you and vice versa. So part of developing our own health is taking a look at and becoming more aware of what you feel on a daily basis. Do you feel like you're in fight or flight mode? So one thing I'll tell people to do, get in your best posture, stick out your chest, suck your gut up, pull your shoulders back, do everything that everyone told you to do, have that really tight core. And then tell me, do you feel more relaxed like this? No, I can tell I you I haven't right had now. one person say <laughs> no. Everyone's like, no, I feel more tense. I feel like... I need to run and flee from a building, burning <laughs> building. And I said, yes. And, and most people will tell you to be that way all the time, to be this perfect posture and to hold everything tight. You'll be pain-free. And I say, oh, hell no, 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 no. <laughs> let your belly out. Let your rib cage drop down. If you can let your rib cage drop down and your armpits relax, guess what? Now your shoulders have the permission to drop down. Your breathing can now change. Because when you're in that perfect posture, as we call it, chest out, shoulders back, suck your gut up in, when you take a breath in, you'll feel yourself. You have to lift up your rib cage, your lower ribs flare out. Often your shoulders have to lift up. You're using all these other accessory muscles to get air in. You're breathing in fight or flight mode. Mm. But now let your belly out, let your rib cage drop down, let your shoulders go down. And I'm not saying slouch over, oh. you know, and be in a horrible posture, okay. but I am saying, let your low back sit into the back of the chair, let your belly out. So your rib cage can drop down. So then when you start to learn to breathe differently, you can shift so that you don't have to lift up your shoulders or your head or your ribs to get air in air can then just flow in because you learn how to use your diaphragm. You know, uh, what's interesting for me... And I also me, tell people... Go ahead. I was going to say, one other thing I tell people is diaphragm breathing isn't just sticking your belly in and out. Your diaphragm needs the support of your side abs. So if you're just sticking your belly in and out, you're losing the ability of the side abs to support your diaphragm so that you can inhale passively like a vacuum just getting air to suck in. Mm. Yeah. Well, now I have noticed in myself that when I am out and not having to wear a mask, and usually I can't, sometimes I can down in the city, but especially up where I live, it's not a problem because we're beyond social distancing up there. We're so far apart. Mm-hmm. 
uh, I re- seem like I regularly do breathe through my nose. And I think, you know, if people could just learn to keep their mouths shut, maybe they wouldn't have to wear the mask, you know, kind of thing. I, I realize that's a that's a long shot at best. But yeah. but the point is that I've noticed that I, that I do that. And the moment that I feel constriction, if you will, as I'm breathing through my nose, I realize, you know, the the, the cilia in my nose, I believe that's what it's called, the little hairs. Mm-hmm. They have captured sufficient uh, and filtered out sufficient uh, particles. I think I need to blow my nose. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to breathe too well, you know. And especially if I'm working outside and I'm kicking up the dust, obviously I'm going to get, uh, I'm going to get more uh, dust particles. Uh, and so I and I take care of that, and boom, I've I've uh, freed up the, the the air passage, and and I continue on. And I notice a lot of people. They 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 don't do that. I mean, it's like you can you can kind of hear such a nasally voice when someone is talking mm-hmm. to you. And it's like, when was the last time you is your nose plugged? Uh, when was the last time yeah. that you you uh, you blew your nose? Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems like a kind of a, a, a gross thing to talk about. But, well, gee, you know, I have a good friend who wrote a wrote a song Another friend wrote the lyric, the 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 music, uh, and the song is uh, "I Got to Go Poop," and it's a very cute reggae esque type of little song for kids. Mm-hmm. But it's what we do. It's part of it's part of being human. We sweat, mm-hmm. you know, and we do all of these other things, and yet we won't talk about the importance of those processes uh, yeah. of the human body, and. Um, so when we're talking, again, going back to this issue of breathing and proper posture, and I, I thought that was interesting the way you put that together. And I was actually sitting like that and starting to slouch and say, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be that hard. And yet, because we've been trained in that other method of push your chest out, pull your gut in and push your mm-hmm. shoulders back, that that has been so ingrained into people for so long that it is kind of hard to break that pattern. It is incredible. And what's even detrimental is I see people with the most chronic conditions and have 10 or 15 things wrong with them. And what they have done is they have sucked up their gut, hold their, pull their shoulders back, and they are so rigid. Their breathing pattern has changed so much that when I say, let your belly go, they have no ability to do that. They don't even know how that feels. And they I get a ton of resistance and then bit by bit, I wear them down and I say, okay, and I work with them, change the different positions that we have them in just to help them find success. And when they finally can feel their belly let go, the relief over them is enormous. I see this huge in people with abuse, people who have a chronic um, stress and anxiety and panic attacks. There is a spot just at the base of their breastbone, right above <clears throat> their um, belly area, where they are so locked up and they don't, and it's sucked in for so long and it can even lead, I've even seen it lead to digestive issues mm. and they don't know how to let that go. And all the time when you're sucking up your gut all the time, think about it. You're compressing on organs that are supposed to have space to move and function but you're taking your muscles and you're trying to squish on them. 
And I'm talking about all of your abdominal muscles and it doesn't even matter how much belly fat you have. You're just squishing everything and trying to make it as small as possible. You're hurting your ability of your digestive organs to work. Your all of those organs that are in your trunk. You're not serving them at all. And so it is very hard for some people. And what I have to do at first is say, very gently, we're going to try to have you push your belly out a little bit as you exhale without arching your back. I need you to let your back relax into the chair without lumbar support. Let it just go flat and try to push your belly out as you exhale. And I say that just very gently until they can feel what it feels like for their belly to come out because they're so used to sucking in and using the belly button muscles. They have forgotten how to use their side abdominal muscles to allow their belly button to come out so their ribs can drop down and back into a cylinder the way they're designed. And so I'll get resistance and I tell people, look at a toddler, their bellies are out until we start reprogramming their brain in a bad way. What are some of the more significant changes that you, maybe profound changes you have seen in people that you have worked Mm -hmm. with to try to get them to uh, shift their breathing posture, if you will. Sure. So I'll tell you a story from about four years ago now. She's a psychiatric nurse and a psychologist. I met her and she had horrible knee pain, bone on bone, knee arthritis. I met her in March. She was getting ready for a knee replacement surgery in August. And I told her about what I did and she was getting the injections three times a year. She was anti-inflammatories daily. And I told her about what I did. And she said, okay, this is weird, but I'll give it a chance. She came and saw me after a few trips and she travels all the world, photographing wildlife, climbing things. And she's in her seventies. And she said, no one, they've said, I've tried everything, no help. I said, give this a chance. And so Within two weeks, she canceled her surgery and she's never had another shot, another injection. Mm. And all we did was calm down her nervous system. So her body went back into position and it freed her up. And I've done this with countless people with knee replacements. I've done it with acute tears, like an ACL tear, rotator cuff tears. Um, I did it with a naturopath just recently who had a MCL tear, ACL tear, and a minor tibial fracture. He was limping. He came into my office and I worked with him. By the time he left, he was walking without a brace, almost no limp. He couldn't believe it. Within five visits, he was back to walking normally. In seven visits, he was playing tennis again. I was hired to travel around the world um, doing wildlife photography for a bird photographer. This is a couple of years ago to get him out of a knee replacement surgery and a rotator two rotator cuff tears and a bicep tear from a fall that he had just had. And he had come to visit me from Florida. And when he lifted it, when he arrived, he couldn't lift his arm to past his waist, but when he left, he could reach overhead completely. And we worked a lot of hours just to get him fully free. Um, I've used this on women who've had abuse, who are holding on to things and their core trunk area, the chest area, the abdominal area has become so tight and they just feel this pressure and I've used it to free them up. And a lot of people will start crying. I used it with a sports caster, um, in Dallas. He 
does a Dallas Cowboys and he couldn't sleep. So I worked with him and he slept for the first time in years. Um, Robert Kiyosaki, very famous a financial man. He was having chronic pain in his hand and I met him at a conference and he said, I can't get rid of this. No one knows what's going on. You know, it's been over a year. I, it's hard for me to sleep. And I worked with him and within two days he was able to sleep for the first time in over a year. And I can tell you these things because people, these people have broadcast it and I've been, they've told other people who've come back to tell me. So I share their stories only because they have told it to other people. So it's public knowledge. Now, I know we've discussed the whole aspect of positioning, posture, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. But how much of that release has to do with uh, past issues that they've held on to, traumas that they've held on to and so forth, that have put them in that position? I mean, I I used to see... uh, um, when I would see uh, people walking up and down State Street, I would see some of the older guys and they'd be hunched over, you know, and I'm thinking, mm-hmm. God, what are they carrying around that if they could yeah. just get rid of that, their posture, their their spine would just straighten up the way it's supposed to be. Uh, what about that aspect of this? That's actually huge. So think about it. Every time you have some type of injury, your body goes into a protective note mode neurologically You like, let's say you have a shoulder or arm injury. You bring that arm really close to your body, usually hike up your shoulder and you just keep it guarded. Same thing happens when you have other type of life stresses. Let's say you go through a major life trauma, um, a car accident, a divorce, um, a death in the family. Your nervous system will respond by bringing everything together we all have, there are some common patterns, but then we all have our unique ways of how we protect ourselves. Some people hunch up their shoulders. Some people arch their back. Some people use the hip flexors, the ones in the front of their thighs and bring their knees up and they don't even realize it. And the problem is not the protective response, but how long the protective response lasts. And if you don't have an awareness of your body and this happening, the the good thing about our body is we know how to habituate well. The bad thing is we know how to habituate well. <laughs> so the ability to accommodate new situations is fabulous, but it also is a detriment when we have forgotten how to let our body go. And so we stay in that protected state. And then what happens is one stressor adds on another, adds on another. And then you eventually get into this protective mode, like those old men you were talking about that are hunched over. They're in a major protective mode. Their chest is so tight. Their pecs are just so pulled forward because they're in this protected mode. They don't know how to let go. Often I'll see that their rib cage is so high and their shoulders are so locked to that rib cage. They don't know how to drop down their rib cage to free up their pecs, to free up the shoulders, to free up their neck, to allow them to stand up correctly. That's what I'll see in so many people. I can look at someone walking down the street and say, oh my gosh, there's a problem. I was watching something the other day, a documentary, and I I made a comment to my boyfriend that um, I was like, that man's back hurts. He's like, I knew you were going to say that. Like, I couldn't help it. I'm sorry, but I really couldn't help it. Well, you know, it's interesting. I remember uh, working at the uh, Phoenix uh, VA hospital. I was working in the uh, x-ray department processing x-rays in the darkroom. And my supervisor was uh, 
a little bit of a rotund individual with visual impairment. But he was bent over so far, and he wore glasses, that most of the time when he looked at me, he looked at me over the top of the glasses. That's how hunched over he was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I never really put too much into it because I thought, it's none of my business, but... Uh, I've, you know, these are the kinds of people you see day in and day out and uh, even relatives, you know, I'm thankful that my father and my mother, they're still upright. Uh, and, uh, you know, although I think there is a great deal of truth to the uh, shrinking as you age. My dad's 89, mother's 86. Uh, and not because, you know, my brother and I were, you know, 5'11". I think he's 5'11 or something like that. My dad's much shorter than us, and he didn't used to be. Um, but he's, you know, it's one of those things where the, the, the body compresses. What about that aspect uh, for in, the, in the older set, if you will, over 70 per se, uh, when the body starts to, quote unquote, shrink? Yeah, so there is that component. So our discs in our spine start to lose some of the water content. And so they shrink down. And so your vertebrae then of course are going to get closer and closer together as your disc space decreases. The thing I tell people though, is just because you shrink, the thing is not that that's your problem necessarily. It's that we've trained our muscles to be tight. So when I talk about people being in fight or flight mode, the body's response to feeling stress is to tighten your muscles. So if you have trained your muscles in your low back to be tight and to be tight and to be tight, and then you get the recommendation, Oh, go strengthen your back muscles. So then you strengthen them even more, even though they're already tight, then you're adding more compression on the vertebrae to decrease the disc space. This happens all throughout the body. And so the problem then is, getting a person to sense what it feels like to relax the back. Most people have no idea what that feels like and I'll work with them and they are blown away on what that feels like. And I'll tell them, imagine that your pants are going to fall off and that you're going to let them fall off. What you'll feel is all of a sudden your low back muscles are not crunching to try to hold your pants up. Imagine them letting go and your butt cheeks letting go. And it's a very freeing feeling because then all of a sudden you can start to feel how your hips can move differently. And so when you walk, your legs just move like they're on a pendulum and they're just swinging. It's not this whole guarded nature that we have. And so as we get older, yes, we're going to lose the water content in our discs. And that's just because, you know, we've used our body and that happens over time. But the true factor is whether you're not going to have pain is related to your muscles and the position that your muscles put your bones in. Mm. So one of the things I tell people is I use pain as a signal from the body to tell me if I am in a good position or not a good position. And I'm talking about orthopedics here. Obviously, mm -hmm. there's differences when it comes to like your heart and organs. Sure. But when you're talking about joints and a, and a pain that is dependent on your position, Think about it. Your, if we simplify your body, you have bones that are put together to create your structure. The thing that holds your structure together in very simple terms are your muscles, your ligaments, and your tendons. Now, your muscles control your tendons. Your ligaments just connect bones together. Now, the thing that controls your muscles is your nervous system. 
So if we learn how to use our nervous system to control our muscles to either turn them on or off, then we can reposition how our bony structure is. So where you're having that pain and that impingement of tissues, if we retrain your muscles differently through your nervous system, you can get rid of that pain. And this is what I do with people who are bone on bone and have had pain for decades and you can get rid of the pain and not have to have that major surgery of cutting yourself open and putting in some kind of titanium or metal. You can shift. It, it reminds me of uh, going for chiropractic adjustments back in uh, the uh, late 80s and early 90s. I had a gal who um, had offered me uh, uh, gr- uh, gratis, if you will, weekly mm-hmm. treatments. Mm-hmm. And I began to think about those treatments in in this in this context that the the skeletal structure is sort of um, sort of held together by rubber bands, and these rubber bands, after a period of time, uh, they get pushed into other positions that they're not unnatural positions. And that when you go in for a chiropractic adjustment, and this is not to promote chiropractic, but just for the example, yeah. they help to move the skeletal structure back into its normal position that will then in turn help those rubber bands to shift back into their normal position. But a chiropractic adjustment isn't enough. Sometimes you might want to go in and have a massage as well to loosen those rubber bands, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also then you have to have a program like what you're talking about with uh, P-A-B-R, uh, PABR, and work on a continuous, uh, re, shall we say, reprogramming of the skeletal, uh, musculate skeletal structure, if I'm using the right terms. Mm-hmm. But then there's that other level that I, I just referred to that you kind of brought up, brought up uh, that uh, you addressed. And that was the issue of issues that we have that tend to cause us to tighten up and ca- cause those rubber bands to get out of position again. And unless we've dealt with them uh, I- I- at one level, or at any level for that matter, uh, then nothing changes. And that you're always going to be going to the chiropractor and you're always going to be having problems and you're always going to be in pain. Yeah, so I'm glad you brought this up because this is very interesting. What I tell people is there are so many good services out there, chiropractic, massage, physical therapy, dry needling, acupuncture. Now, what all of those do... If you think if you think about it kind of through my thought process is they are applying something to you externally. They are doing something to your body, exactly what you said. They're trying to put that body back into its neutral position. The massage is trying to loosen the muscles up. They're doing something to you externally. The way I approach it is teaching you how to change internally so that you control it yourself. So you don't have to do the external stuff. Mm -hmm. You can still do them because they feel great. But what we want to do is change how you, how you're wired internally and how you sense and feel that. So you gain control over it. For instance, if you have pain in your shoulder and you can feel your shoulders hiked up to your ear, you might go and get an adjustment or a massage, but what if you could feel 
your upper trap muscles relax because you've activated your triceps and you learned how to activate a different set of muscles, relax your pecs, relax your upper trap so that your shoulder drops down all on your own doing. And then you have that skill. So the next time you get into a stressed mode, you can control that and do that yourself. And that's part of the thing is I love having all these external applications. They're fabulous. They help so many people. We never want to get rid of them. If you're going to someone that's making you feel better, keep going. But at the same time, why not change and learn how to have control over your body again? Why not learn, okay, I have front of the knee pain when I walk. You know what I could do? When I step, I could try to sense my hamstrings in the back of my thigh, let my back and belly go. And now all of a sudden that knee pain went away within two minutes. Why not have that control? So you can walk for five miles if you want to, or go climb a mountain. Why not learn how to get rid of that low back pain within a minute? Because you know how to let your belly go, get your ribs down in position. So your pelvis goes back into neutral, your back frees up. And those are the things that I teach people is how to rewire yourself internally, how to have an internal change that you can control and be in charge of. That is one of the aspects I find interesting with a lot of uh, practitioners of many different modalities is they want to teach people. It's not that, you know, they have a problem with maybe having people coming in and paying whatever the, 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 the price is to get relief. But they actually want to train people to do it for themselves because, I mean, there are almost 8 billion people on the planet. And I mean, come on, yeah. you can't you can't do them all. You know, right. you don't have the time. You don't have the strength, the energy. Uh, you, know, you can only do so many in a lifetime. Right. Yep. So if yep. people learn how to do this on their own. And they can yes. do that with you. They can go to your website. And that website mm-hmm. is what? It's paberinstitute.com, P-A-B-R institute.com. And so I have resources on there. In, I have interviews where I go through some of the breathing. I also have an email list where each week I give out a blurb and a video. And I go through the body and I talk about let's say shoulder pain, what are some ways you can change your body position to help your shoulder? And I go through the whole body. I also do um, one-on-one consultations with people virtually from all over the world if they need one-on-one help. But I'm also doing, since the pandemic started, I, I started doing a Facebook group where I do nightly breathing Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific time, standard time now. And what I do with that is I go through, I'll teach something for a couple minutes. Then I go through the breathing for about five minutes seated and wrap up. And so it's a short breathing to get people daily practice to help them change. Now, people who have more chronic situations will need the one-on-one help, but this, this is one way I can get this message out to more and more people is how to change themselves. And I'm giving away all the basics for free so that people, I can reach a bigger audience and they can help more people. And then those who need the more help, we can work one-on-one. Right. And have you ever come across anybody that was close to perfect posture and breathing? Have you ever come across anybody that's doing it correctly? (laughs) 
I haven't met anyone like that. Now, I've converted people like that and they're, they feel like their whole life has transformed. They can do things that they couldn't before. Before I started learning this and developing this, I had different pains and aches and I was, you know, running marathons and having all the marathon issues. And now I can run marathons, 50 miles pain-free. I mean, this whole, this changed my whole entire life. I used to have headaches and problems and leg veins and all that. And now nothing. I, I feel free. I, I'm mobile. And so I haven't met people where I just come across and they're like, I feel completely great. But then when they go through this program and they feel the change, I mean, I have a lady, she's like, I can't believe it. I now have hope I can travel around the world. And before I didn't even go out of my house, I couldn't even lay on my right side. And she was having rib pain plus anxiety. And she was going to a chiropractor who told her not to lay on her right side. And I said, you know, what? it's, it's the muscles around the ribs that are just pulling on your rib abnormally, giving you that pain. And once she could feel it release, she can roll around. She can do anything she wants now. <laughs> it's, it's amazing experience. I, I, I can only imagine. I, I used to bicycle everywhere. I bicycled from a little kid all the way up to the age of uh, 36, 37. And I was bicy bicycling all over Phoenix, Arizona. Some people thought I was crazy, uh, which is just <laughs> fine. Maybe I was, maybe I am. Uh -huh. um, and I loved it. Uh, the only problem I had was finding a comfortable uh, uh, bicycle seat. And then I started seeing the articles about the damages that men are doing to their to their uh, reproductive organs by, by oh, crushing the, whatever mm -hmm. it is that runs underneath there under in the undercarriage. Um, but I had, I, I had pretty good size, not anymore, uh, thighs and calves because I used to bicycle all over town back and forth from mm -hmm. the West side to the East side, even out to Scottsdale and so forth. I loved it. I mean, I had a great time doing it, you know, and it felt good. Do you find that people who are in repetitive uh, exercises or participate in repetitive sports like cycling, for example, which requires a particular posture, that that is detrimental? Or are there ways, are you able to uh, guide people uh, into ways that they can participate in this particular activity? Uh, but try this posture. Maybe you need to lower the seat on the bicycle, raise mm -hmm. the bars or vice versa or something to where when you get off the bicycle, you don't have to go through the breathing process of, you know, trying to get back into alignment. Absolutely. So I'll train people for endurance sports, a um, whole bunch of various sports. But yes, when you're in a position for a prolonged period of time, you need to be aware of that and use your nervous system to help calm down your muscles. And one of the things I work on is awareness training and feeling the release of certain muscles, whether it's your back muscles, your butt muscles, so that when you're doing something repetitive, you feel the muscles that are starting to overwork, you feel them release and you help yourself stay into neutral. And of you know, especially with cycling, I'll say, okay, change your position after a while, S sit up for a little bit, feel yourself calm down, 
you know, work on your breathing, the specific type that I teach, work on that while you're putting yourself back together and calming yourself back down. Mm. Give yourself a few minutes to sense that and feel that, then go back into the, the position that allows you to perform at a higher level. And then I'll even make tweaks on that position to help them sense their thighs more instead of using their back. So a lot of people, when they're lifting weights or cycling, they try to arch their back thinking that if they use their back muscles, that's going to help them give them power. The problem is they're also teaching their body how not to use their arm or leg muscles to perform that actual activity. And so when I start to train people differently, I have them drop their weight by half because once they take their back out of the equation and get their back to relax, but get their side abs to pull the ribs down into neutral, and then they're using their thighs or their arms separately from their back, all of a sudden that half weight feels very, very heavy. And they gain a sense of how it is to use the arms and legs without relying on the back. And it's, it can be very powerful. And that's how I, that's how I increased my speed with no other training and was able to qualify for Boston four times in a row wow. is I just changed my breathing and how I could sense my muscles working and relax my back. And boom, all of a sudden my legs were just like, whoop, I can move really fast and you know, no problem. Well, I can tell you that uh, for me to participate in a marathon, I think I would have to be chased by Godzilla <laughs> or something of that nature that would make me run that long and that fast. <laughs> <laughs> what about people who, and we're, I know we're running short on time here, but mm -hmm. I'm going to ask you this final question here in this regard. What about people whose stamina isn't up there? I mean, I, I, I'll be honest with you, when I'm out working and so forth, and then, of course, my wife comes out, and I'm huffing and a puffing. She says, are you okay? You, you, you're, you're wheezing, or you're, or you're really breathing heavy. And I'm saying, and I, I sit there, and I go, yeah, because I'm out here working. <laughs> yes. But I, sometimes I feel as though I don't have, and obviously, as we get older, some of us, mm -hmm. the energy level, the stamina starts to diminish a little bit. How do you work with someone like that who just doesn't feel like they've got the, the power within to do that? So a lot of that comes with actually how you position yourself and how you breathe. Uh, you have become overstressed and you're breathing in fight or flight mode, which is very shallow. So when you switch your breathing and you feel your chest drop, and you feel your belly come out and you feel your whole body relax and you practice that and you feel the sense of it shifting, your body then learns how to relax so that when you need to perform and do work, all of a sudden you have all of this energy because you have come from a relaxation mode mm -hmm. instead of being on high alert all the time. And then you want to perform at a high level and your body's already taxed. Why not learn how to drop it down, shift your breathing, shift your body position, shift how you use your muscles so they learn how to let go. Then when you really need to perform, boom, all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I feel like I'm 20 years younger. All of a sudden I can run faster. All of a sudden I can lift heavier stuff. Yeah. All of a sudden I'm not huffing and puffing when I'm doing yard work because you knew how to relax and be in a relaxation mode, which is where we're designed to be most of the day. Yeah until we need to perform that's the key one other element water i have been drinking water like it's going out of style mm -hmm. and it's not 
because I was told I needed to drink more water. It's like every time I take a drink, uh, I drink a glass of water. All right. Uh, 15, 20 minutes later, I'm heading to the restroom. But after that, I got to get another glass of water because I feel thirsty again. And so it's like, uh, it's on, on the one hand, it's a never-ending cycle, but in the, in the mm-hmm. reality, it is a never-ending cycle. Yeah. That's just the way it functions. But I, sometimes I feel like I always have a dry mouth, and yet I'm drinking all of this water. Um, and I'm not asking for a diagnosis, but these are the kinds of things that people run into that make them think that they can't do what, uh, what they think they can, what, what they don't think they can. Yeah, so the whole dry mouth thing, I have a feeling you probably breathe in and out of your mouth a lot. Obviously you talk a lot just because you're your nature of your career, but you might try playing with the whole taping your mouth thing <laughs> and see, because you will start to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. If you start to feel resistance, you know that you don't breathe in, in your nose as much as you think. Um, so that would be one thing I would check. The other thing too is adding some lemon to your water um, mm. Just for detoxification, I do that during the day. I have lemon in my water all day long, and mm, then you know, it, it's it's very good for your body. So it's something else I do. Well, I really do appreciate you sharing with us uh, your insights as well from the website that I want people to go to: pabrinstitute.com. Correct. That is correct. That's yes. pabrinstitute.com. This is, of course, uh, Amy's second appearance on our program, at least. Maybe it's your third. I can't remember it's now. It's second. It's your second, <laughs> it's all right? Third, yes. And we're grateful to have you back. We will have you back again because this kind of information needs to be repeated over and over again. Uh, just like the slogan I came up with uh, regarding uh, the time and period in which we live. And that slogan is, wash up, mask up, step back. It's not that hard. Wash up, mask up, step back. And I encourage people to do that. And if we do that, then maybe we can get back to whatever the, the, the normal was. Because if we don't, you're living in the new normal. I guarantee you, until every member of our society in the United States has contracted the virus, until that happens... That's what's that's what we have to do. And God forbid 350 million people would contract this virus. And who knows how many of those will die or be irreparably damaged by the virus and live. Uh, You know, I've heard lots of stories I won't go into. In any event, I thank you for giving us some some guidance and some uh, some ways in which we can help ourselves to, to better our health, our posture, our breathing. Key right there is the breathing part and breathing correctly in the right posture. And boy, if you have your health, you have everything. Isn't that what they say? Yes. And yeah. thank you so much for having me on again. I really appreciate it. I hope this helps your listeners and just let me know if I can do more. Amy Novotny has been my guest. Amy Novotny and uh, she has the website P-A-B-R institute.com. I'm Richard Dugan. I thank you for listening to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. We are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast podcast, love to lull.